visit the Downtown Den, join us through our website, all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Stay in, stay safe, visit the Downtown Den. Okay, I'm delighted to be joined in the Downtown Den now by Dougal Paber from Merrion Strategy. Dougal, good day to you. Good morning. <laughs> and how are you finding this uh, new way of working that we're all having to adapt to? Interesting. Uh, I think my clients are struggling more to adapt it than I am, to be fair. You know, I've been working from home for six years, so yeah. the only difference for me is having the kids around my feet. <laughs> it poses its own issues. Uh, but generally getting through it, it, it's the half speed that everyone seems to be working at that's the issue. Yeah. It's, it's keeping, trying to keep going at pace. Yeah. I suppose although you do work at home, um, in that your office is home, yeah. um, you, like me... You like to be out and about. You like meeting people. You do an awful lot of your work face-to-face. -face. Um, so has that proven a bit of a challenge to you? Yeah, you know, the lack of visibility and the lack of human contact is an issue. So I'm, I'm having to make sure that I'm on top of technology like this, make sure I'm making special calls every day so I can see and feel in a technical sense people and they can do likewise with me. It's, you know, that, that's a period of adjustment. But people are getting their heads around it now and we're, we're getting moving. Yeah. So uh, the reason that we wanted to have a chat to you today is you very kindly wrote a blog for us last week in terms of the implications financially of um, what the Chancellor announced for those who are self-employed and of course you fit into that category um, yeah. and we got an awful lot of interest from that blog so we just wanted to follow that up with the chat and I think both of us would concede that the Chancellor actually has done an exceptional job in very challenging circumstances. Yeah. Um, nonetheless when you start to look at the detail of some of those announcements, the one to do with self-employed in particular, this idea that people have got to hang around until June does seem to me somewhat difficult. I know it's going to be different for, different for people in different circumstances. And of course, were you in a family where somebody else has got a job in the public sector, for example, or whatever it might be, then it may be more manageable. But do you think that he needs to, to relook at the situation with self-employed? Because certainly we're getting an awful lot of calls, Dougal, from people saying June is just probably a month too long for us to hang on. Too long, yeah. Um, I think he does, and I think he, he needs to do it in two ways, really. Um, firstly, you're quite right. He's doing a great job in very trying circumstances, and a lot of credit is due to him there. He's taking away a lot of worry. Um, the thing that struck me about his proposals for the self-employed was that it left out uh, a sizable chunk of people who are working for limited companies because they need to do so for the protection that, that gives them. And if their earnings are above a certain level, there's, there's nothing in it for them. Um, now, they will be higher taxpayers, so they're paying substantially more, potentially, but getting no help at all. And that's that's uh, there's an issue of fairness, if you will, there, that perhaps he needs to address. And I know... Uh, there's a cross-party group of MPs who've highlighted that and are now discussing that with him. So one would hope that as, as more detail is fleshed out, that perhaps that's adjusted because that could cause problems. But I think the point you make is, is closer to the knuckle for many self-employed people, which is the one around when the cash actually starts flowing. You know, a lot of self-employed people are working hard and well and thriving to whatever degree, 
paying their bills, their mortgages, their other commitments, um, but they don't necessarily have a lot of fat around them financially. Yeah. And having to hang on for two or three months, particularly if clients are either retrenching or just closing up shop, is a major problem. There will be a lot of self-employed people who will see their income just going up smoke. And it's not certain that whatever the chancellor is promising is enough to, uh, to replace that. Uh, and, and the cash flow delays could be a real issue. Yeah, and I think that goes probably across the board. Um, but with self-employed people, I think it's more urgent because, uh, as you rightly say, uh, there's an awful lot of people, you're not in this situation, I know, but there are an awful lot of people who are in that position where their income will have dried up very quickly and yeah. very substantially in a very short period of time. And let's, let, yeah. let's face it, Dougal, nobody was prepared for this, were they? No, nobody was. The, the government weren't. Business wasn't. We certainly don't think in these terms, do we? We're business people, by general definition, are optimistic, yeah. forward-looking, and are focused on their customers and their markets. They're not focused on global geopolitical issues, but yeah. <laughs> particularly SMEs. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not how we we function or think, is it? No. So you know, um, he's doing the best of uh, he can. But it may well be that it's not enough. And there's 5 million self-employed people in the UK. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a lot of people. And, you know, what will be left of us when we come out the tunnel? You know, yeah. when we get through this, as we will, mm. what will the landscape be like? You know, people will be using up savings. They'll be incurring debt to keep going. You know, what room will there be in, in the overall SME economy to, to sort of get back and motoring? You know, you can see that people will probably have to rein their horns in on all sorts of discretionary spending, which will hit lots of other SMEs, whether that's restaurants or bars or other service providers of any stripe. Um, you know, the, there's going to be a lot less money flowing around because there's going to be debt to be repaid and there's going to be finances to be rebuilt. Um, it's, it's going to be tricky. Yeah. If we can just sort of jump a couple of months ahead and hopefully, as you rightly say, come through this and be able to look forward with some optimism. Uh, what are the sort of things do you think that businesses should be doing to develop some resilience? Uh, and importantly, what should our politicians at a, a local and regional level be trying to do to intervene and make life a little bit easy, easier for, for those SMEs going forward? Okay. I think we've got to all keep in touch with our marketplace and you know downtown has always been a fantastic conduit hasn't it for small businesses to stay in touch and build a presence in different market spaces whether that's geographically or in terms of sectors we've just got to keep that going uh, and we've just got to be smarter technically uh, and stay visible uh, you know the lord invented telephones on the eighth day and on the ninth he gave us the internet so let's make full use of both of those those things we, we simply have to you know Invisibility is the death of SMEs, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's important. In terms of what local authorities can do, they've probably got limited bandwidth, really. You know, um, things like rate support for small businesses will be really important. Rate holidays, rent holidays if the, if the council are owning properties, um, if they have the capacity offering some sort of grants for people in certain circumstances would help. And I do note, I got an email this morning from a networking group I'm in with a link to Liverpool Council's latest announcements on that, which was great, yeah. very encouraging uh, and good for the council, I have to say. Um, so we're, we're going to have to look at, at those things and the council can help, but I'm just not sure how much bandwidth they have. Mm. You know, 
back in the day we were promised that, that there'd be much more devolution to local authorities but you know perhaps this is a an essential test of that and yeah. perhaps we'll come out of this thinking you know what it didn't happen at the level we wanted it to and it now needs to yeah and, and that's certainly one of the things that that we've raised you know we think that as far as they've been able to with the resources available to them that actually the local reaction across the country has been pretty good uh, but of course the, the speed with which we would want to see that response hasn't quite been there because of that lack of resource and cash so it is probably something that we'll be turning our attention to when we get through this the other sector that i know you're keenly interested in Dougal is construction uh, yeah. and again uh, earlier this week i raised some concerns about some bad press uh, that some construction uh, companies were getting that i felt unfairly because they're actually you know being told to crack on um they're really being encouraged by the workforce to crack on because a lot of those guys and girls are uh, self-employed and yeah. therefore they're looking at june and thinking we, we can't survive until june so we need to continue to work and, and of course coupled with the fact that the government haven't been firm in saying that construction isn't uh, a key industry sector um then i, I thought they, they were left a little bit hung out to dry and and we've sort of called on the government to uh, make a bit of a clearer statement on construction but equally we've said to our local decision makers and politicians you know, be a bit more careful in terms of the criticism that you're making um so as i say i know that you represent a number of those people um what what's the feedback you're getting from that sector uh, they'd welcome more clarity, but you know these guys, these are smart guys, and you know they're good employers. Uh, so the people I work for have closed their sites temporarily, while temporarily whilst they work out how can they manage a work schedule that guarantees their workers' safety uh, in terms of distance and everything else, whilst keeping the jobs going. They're they're conscious of the need to keep working. Uh, they're self-employed subcontractors are conscious of the need to pay their bills and keep earning so for our guys it's an issue of project management and scheduling and and being smart around that um and that that's the challenge and they started to work through it so i had a conversation yesterday with a contractor client of mine who's restarted work after a week on a site in liverpool um and of course work will go slower because of the need for fewer workers because of the need for distance but he's cracking on uh, so good employers who care about their workforce and their subcontractors will find a way through this. It's not beyond the wit of man. Yeah. And like you, Dougal, I'm aware that they're going the extra mile to ensure that the safety of the workforce it is paramount. And, you know, all I'm looking for really is recognition of that fact that, uh, you know, because again, this can quickly turn, can't it? When people see guys going to work, um, the public do have a tendency to listen to, to some of the headline messages and take their leave from our politicians and, and therefore it's important that they get their language, their narrative right during this period of time. Speaking as a PR person, it's been very interesting seeing the contrast between different media and those who have taken a quite a steady line, almost of responsibility. Look, this is a national crisis. We need to be calm and factual. And those who have... Um, reveled in um the headlines shall we say yeah. and written headlines that perhaps haven't been as responsible as they ought really yeah. you know we've all got a job of work to do here to get our nation through this uh, and to be fair most people are trying to do the right thing um but we have to have an economy to return to 
we have to have an economy that's capable of functioning and pulling us out of this because right now it's tanking uh, inevitably um on the development side people are keeping going to a degree because development is a long game and there's a lot of work that can be done from home to keep projects moving forward which is great so i'm staying busy lovely um but on on the day-to-day delivery side particularly on construction sites we'll discuss that and then and a lot of sites are having to close while they work out what to do so you know we have but we have to keep going you know there has to be something to return to doesn't there? and it's a very difficult balancing act you need the wisdom of job here you really do and yeah. i i don't envy politicians of any stripe here yeah um and just final point to you say you keep them busy tell us a little bit about what marion strategy do and um tell us how you're gonna ensure that over the next few months you're able to give your very very sage advice to the clients that you deal with um, so I advise people in the property supply chain from funders and developers at the top of the chain all the way through architects, planning consultants, contractors, right through the supply chain. So the built environment is my world and I provide marketing and public affairs advice to them. Um, now, what would I say to them going forward? I would say keep communicating through this. Uh, stay in touch with all your stakeholders. Do what you can to help your stakeholders um, because when we come out of this people will remember who helped them who was constructive who was useful uh, and who stayed in the game um, and by the by a flip coin they'll remember who wasn't any of those things so keep talking be as helpful and constructive as you can and we'll get through this and i thought the point that you made earlier Dougal, was a crucial one invisibility is what will kill an sme at the moment isn't it you and i Sadly, both old enough to remember the uh, the 2008 crash, uh, and again, yeah. recognised where people had cut back on the things that probably would be the first things that you'd think of cutting back on. But you know, market and spend and PR and visibility, they were the companies that either didn't come out of the recession or came out of it far slower than those who maintained some sort of profile during that period. Yeah, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I've got clients who are long enough in the tooth, shall we say, who've been around the block a few times, who, who understand that point. You know, they've, they've lived through recessions and, you know, they, they, the construction and development sector is a bellwether. Uh, so it's always first in to a recession and it's always first out. And they want to be, you want to be a company that can get out from the blocks quickly um, to take advantage of the opportunities that will flow. Um, and uh, luckily, I've, I've got clients who think like that. So, Touch wood, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be all right. Yeah, great stuff. Always good to chat to you. Um, I was reminded earlier on that it's uh, the 50th anniversary today of Everton Football Club winning the championship in 1970. Um, now, yeah. you weren't old enough to be there. I no, I was, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was in my mother's arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was actually in the Gladys Street in my dad's arms, would you believe? Um, Fantastic. And I just, um, you know, on a serious note, wondered what your thinking was around the the Premier League. And I'm not going to get into the arguments as to who should win it, because I think that's fairly clear to all of us, you know, that even as a bit of blue, I don't think we could deny Liverpool the title. But again, you you mentioned about the PR uh, positions that particular brands and people are taking. I noticed that you were quite critical, rightly so, of Richard Branson 
who's usually a master of PR. Yeah, seems um, a lost his touch. Yeah, but I, I'm starting to pick up some comments and negativity around the way Premier League clubs are handling this crisis because, of course, what they're doing is furloughing a lot of their staff, which means government handouts for them. Uh, but, yeah. of course, they're still playing, paying their, their multi-million pound players uh, top dollar. And I do wonder how that's going to play out in the short to medium term, Dougal. Uh, very, very badly. The optics are really, really poor. You can't say we are a vital part of our community and then let the community carry a burden that you're not prepared to carry yourself. End of discussion. The Premier League are running headlong into a PR disaster. I had a conversation with my wife yesterday about renewing our three Everton season tickets. And... Uh, Put it this way, she resorted to Anglo-Saxon vernacular, uh, <laughs> which wasn't good because she's a very measured lady, Mrs. Baver, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, I think they're getting it, collectively, they're getting it very badly wrong. Okay. And it worries me because I love football and I love my club. And I'm not talking about Everton, I'm talking about the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the optics around what's happening to the lower leagues. Mm -hmm. And as it, things currently stand, the absence of help from the, the Premier League, um, not, not good. Uh, I don't know how they're going to emerge from this. Yeah. It's an interesting take, Dougal. And, and, and again, I would suggest to you that perhaps as we go through this period of almost getting used to not going to the game, um, people very quickly develop new habits, don't they? And it's whether, I mean, listen, if, if you like your family, this isn't too bad a period of time. And uh, <laughs> you, know, you might come to the conclusion in a few months' time, well, actually, that Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or Friday, whenever the Sky decide to to play these games now, and that's that's already a cause that uh, that concerns and pisses me right off when I get the uh, two weeks before you plan made all your arrangements, and all of a sudden the game gets moved for television. Um, but that's another challenge, isn't it? That you know, it's a, it's a very customer-led uh, product, is football. And as I say, at the moment, we're, we're through no fault of our own, but we're breaking that habit. Yeah, um, I, I've got my lad, who's 13, into watching vintage Everton videos um, mm. to keep him fully, you know, blooded in, in, in all things blue. You know, he asked me a wonderful question the other day. Great. So that prompted a long conversation. Um, so he's busy, he's busy working his way through the 1985 season. He said, yeah. Dad. He said, we beat Norwich 2-0. It was brilliant. <laughs> um, so, but to get to your point, you're right. You know, he's 13. He, he, loves, he, you know, he loves it all. And he'll go back when he can. But my 11-year-old daughter who sits with us has a season ticket. She could take it or leave it. And, you know, we want to bring that younger generation through. And um, it'll be tricky for them. It will. And we'll, we'll, we'll see that reflected in attendances uh, going forward, I think. I think Everton will be protected in season ticket terms because everyone wants to preserve their place in time for Bramley Moor. Yes. No one wants to give their seat up now with a 15,000 waiting list yeah. to give their seat up. Um, and that was the only thing that helped me win the argument with Mrs. Paver, let me tell you about <laughs> renewals. It wasn't for that and the potential disappointment for the kids. Yeah. She wouldn't have gone with it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to hear that you're still going to be uh, on the terraces when we do finally return to Premier League action. It's been great talking to you, Dougal, and uh, no doubt I'll speak to you again soon during this period that uh, that we're in lockdown thanks frank enjoy talking to you lovely cheers mate